All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation, and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. This podcast is part of a short series to help and encourage current and potential small business owners to improve and grow. I will be talking to experts in their fields, as well as successful business owners, and we will be discussing what they do and how they do it so well. The survival of a business depends on who is paying that business money on a regular basis, and normally that's a customer or a client. Running a business involves so many different aspects and so many different moving parts, but the the issue is as a business owner, sometimes we can ignore or forget about what's really important and why we even exist. Today, I've invited Michael back. Michael is a customer experience enthusiast. To me, he's just the marketing guy that seems to know everything about marketing. He's the founder of Human to Human, and I've invited him to be with us here today to talk about the customer experience. Michael, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you, Michael. It's absolutely lovely to be here. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, no, it's likewise, likewise, because you know this anyway, but you've always been my go-to guy for anything marketing, anything client, anything customer. Um, I don't know what it is. It's, I mean, maybe you can you can enlighten us, but to, to me, I see it as a passion. I see it as something that an edge or a, I guess, an angle that you've always had, which is very unique? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I, I was reflecting on this recently. And I think you know, to, to answer the question of like how I became so passionate about the customer experience or how I got into it, a lot of it was yeah, nature, but that there was also a little bit of nurture. And so just to explain that, like I think my entire life, I've been that kid who was just really aware of how the other people around me were, were feeling. Um, you know, some people call them a people pleaser. You know, it's like you always just want to make sure everyone around you is happy. But, you know, I was I was definitely that kid who, you know, would go to a movie with someone and I'd be looking at them the whole time to see if they were enjoying it. And so I suppose like I use those powers for good rather than evil. And uh, I've, I've, I've kind of found a way throughout my career to combine that, I suppose, natural empathy and just that tendency for me to to wonder how the people around me are feeling and, and putting it into a really productive uh, context for businesses where they can, you know, step outside their own shoes, consider how each of the little things they're doing in their business is making their customers feel and you know, most importantly, optimizing all of that stuff so their business has an awesome, awesome experience for their customers or clients. Yeah. And it's 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 so common sense, isn't it? But I think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but a lot of business owners forget this. Like they, they start off to have a business to serve a customer or to serve a client, but over time they just become so they just sink into everything else that's business related. They forget about what really matters. And it's, I feel like it's something that happens slowly over time because they'll, they'll think of an idea and say, Oh, let's change this. Let's change that. Let's do this. Let's do that. And suddenly, you know, they're, this is where they want to be, but they're, they're all the way over here. Um, what do you think goes wrong? What, what do you think is the, the, the main reason that businesses probably don't even realize they have an issue? I think, you know, like to put it quite bluntly, like business is a very, very, very busy place. You know, there's a reason why the word busy is in the word business. Uh, and so I think it's just a, you know, a case of the old Jay-Z 
analogy, like, you know, every business owner has 99 problems um, and the customer experience isn't the one that flows to the top of the list, right? So, you know, you've got team members who might not be happy. You might have someone who keeps calling in sick. Um, you might have, you know, some piece of machinery or a piece of technology in your business that's not working. And so you've just got all these little fires to put out and you've got so many things to think about that uh, I don't think it's a common thing for people to wake up in the middle of the night and go, oh, yeah, I've got a customer experience problem or oh, I should be focusing more on the client experience. So I think a lot of it's an awareness thing. And, you know, a lot of a lot of the time with a customer experience, um, the only time we hear about it is you know, when we get a bad Google review or we get a complaint and, you know, any business owner who's good at what they do, they'll hear some of that negative feedback and they'll, they'll do, they'll deal with it. They'll get in touch with the person. They'll solve the problem. So I don't think it's a case that people don't care about this part of their business. It's just not under their eyes or in front of their nose uh, often enough. And so, you know, I'd say for a lot of businesses, awareness is the first step and the best way to do that is to find a way to measure how happy people are uh, and you know we could talk a, a little bit more about that later but I think you know one of the things I notice is when I start uh, working with a business and we start measuring how some of their customers and clients are feeling all of a sudden they realize there's probably more happening there that they then they realized and a lot of it was just they weren't aware of it so I think the first step is really just for business owners to, to actually start listening to their customers and understanding how they feel. And then it becomes natural to want to uh, to make those things better. That's such a good point because it, sometimes, always actually, you don't, if you don't realize there's an issue, um, you can't fix it. And it's, I think businesses that do get complaints are actually very lucky because at least they have someone telling them what the issue is. But uh, there could be, I mean, I'm not could be, there are businesses out there, I'm sure, which are doing things wrong, but maybe no one's complaining because they feel guilty or probably it's just a coincidence that no one's happened to complain about anything in particular. But I mean, we all know this, most people that are unsatisfied um, will tell X number of friends and family or they'll go and, or they won't even say anything sometimes. They just won't go back to the business, you know? So it, when it comes to a business that wants to work out, okay, Let's let's get this feedback. Let, let's work out exactly how happy um, our people are, as you said. Correct me if I'm wrong, but how do they work? I'm assuming the best way to approach this would be to work out who their customer actually is. And can, can you talk through that just to work out how a business establishes who their customer is or who they should be really focusing their energy on? Yeah. So I so yeah. I mean, the main the main thing is you try and start with. You know the people who you know are your customers, and for most for most small businesses, that would be pretty easy, uh, I imagine. So if you're in a, a service based business, or you know some sort of uh, remote business where you don't necessarily have a shop, but you're offering a service in some other way, uh, you'd have a list of email addresses or clients. And you know I've seen and and I've been guilty of doing this in the past myself is sending out these insanely long surveys. You know. 15, 20 questions, trying to find out absolutely everything that you can about how happy your customers or clients are. And the response rates are low. And I mean, you've just got to respect the fact that people are busy. And so the simpler you can make that the asking of that question, the better. There's a, a almost what would be regarded as a, a, a world standard when it comes to measuring customer or client satisfaction. That's called the net promoter score. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, something I like to explain visually rather than um, it's a bit hard to explain auditorily. But what I might do is send through a video uh, to you that you can put in the show notes to explain how the the NPS uh, Net Promoter Score is calculated. But pretty much that question that we've all been asked at one point or another: um, 
on the scale of one to 10, how likely would you be to recommend us to your family or friends? The way that your customers or clients answer that um, becomes your NPS score. And so that is the best proxy for whether you're doing a great job or not when it comes to your customer or client experience. So if anyone in a service-based business where you have a list of email addresses or even mobile phone numbers, uh, that should be a pretty easy question to ask. And then, uh, you know, if you want, you can do a follow-up question, which is, you know, please tell us why you gave that score. So you're not just getting the number, you're getting a little bit of, you know, qualitative feedback as well. Um, a little bit harder for um, for people who I say in a retail environment, um, who might not have databases of uh, of clients. So if you know if you're an efficient chip shop, measuring how happy people are is a little bit harder. Um, but I think that's probably a big reason why a lot of businesses, are, you know, of that nature, are starting to move to loyalty programs. Like, sure, they want to, you know, encourage people to come back and give them an incentive. But the real power of something like that is is the uh, is the data that you get. It's the fact that instead of um, you know that dude who goes to the gym every Thursday and then comes in and grabs his fish and chips after a workout, you know that that person's name is Michael Curry and uh, you know what he orders more more often and you know how often he comes in and most importantly, you've got contact details so you can start to market to him and engage with him uh, and you know, ask questions like, um, like the MPS question. Yeah, that makes sense. And and I think most of us have had that question posed to us. And I do like that. Yeah, it's a very simple question. It's something that doesn't take too much time to fill out or to answer because you are right. People are busy, and it's if something's too complicated, they just people normally won't respond. Especially if the answers to questions are very complicated, and um, you know, and it's the experience isn't straightforward. And um, speaking of experiences. The customer experience, if someone is, if a business owner, for example, wants to think, okay, I want to improve my customer experience, um, where do they begin? Where does the customer experience begin? Is it when they finish using their services? Is it when they first call them? Is it, you know, when they when they complain? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. So I think most people think that the customer experience begins when someone reaches out to their business or walks inside their doors. Um, but I like to look at it a little bit differently. And I think one, you know, that <laughs> the internet has probably changed a million things about business as we know it. Uh, but one of the things that it has changed is when the customer experience actually begins in my eyes. And what that usually means is people are starting to enter your business far before you know that that's the case. As an example, and I might not be getting the exact numbers right, but the principle is, is the most important bit. I heard a presentation from a business called Rate My Agent, who it's pretty much like a Google reviews type platform for real estate agents. And they did some research and what they found was that uh, 10 years ago, the average real estate agent, uh, oh, sorry, the average person looking to list their property uh, spoke to four different agents before they made a decision. Fast forward to now, the average person who's looking to list their property speaks to 1.2 agents on average. Now, if you wanted to draw a really simple but probably incorrect conclusion, it's not because people care less about their properties or they're being more lazy. It's because they're interviewing those same four agents. They're just doing it online. They're looking at online reviews. They're going to websites. They're watching videos. They're looking at Google reviews. All of these things are starting to help people make decisions as to whether they want to reach out to a business or not. So um, from my point of view, the second someone goes, hey, I'm looking to potentially list my property with this agency, their customer experience has already begun. Um, if you are that fish and chip shop that I mentioned before, um, let, let's, you know, there's a couple of scenarios that are worth thinking about here. The first one might be, 
I'm looking for fish and chips. I see a bunch of businesses with a 4.1 star Google rating, and then I see one that's not far from my house that's 4.8. I'm feeling excited about that. And I'm walking in there going, gosh, this fish and chips must be good. And, you know, depending on the type of person you are, the the experience you're going to have after that point, because you've got a really high expectation, you might convince yourself that those chips are tastier than they actually are. You might convince yourself that that fish is fresher than it is because you're like, well, if everyone else thinks it's great, it must be great. So the customer experience, yeah, to answer your question, starts probably a long time before businesses realize. And so what I think is really important is like the most simple thing you can do is either Google um, your business's name and just see what comes up and put yourself in the shoes of a customer or client and go, how's that going to make me feel what I've just seen on Google? Um, but if you're in more of a, a relationship-based business or you know they're, they're not just buying the business, they're buying the person, uh, real estate being a great example. Uh, Michael, you're a financial advisor, another really great example. Uh, people aren't just going to search for your business. Uh, they're going to search for Michael Curry. So what's coming up on Google? And if that's not setting the right impression, uh, you know, your, your customer experience is really getting off on the wrong foot. Yeah. And, and I think it's, um, I think Google reviews and just online presence in general, it's very overlooked by many businesses. Um, some get it. Some, and we've actually done an episode as part of this business series on SEO. Mm. And I think some businesses do get it. A lot of businesses get it actually, but some people are still, it's, I feel like it's a, it's either a, something that I don't care about because I don't think they should B it's something that they do and they think that they'll, they'll eventually, eventually get around to it uh, or, or C it's something that's current in the works, but it's just taking them forever to do. Mm. You know? But mm. I, I feel like it's, it is very overlooked and it's such a powerful tool because you are so right. Like any restaurant, any hotel, 99% of people will either do a Google review, ask mm. a friend or seek someone's advice on it. The, mm. Very rarely these days, I think, do people, like what you said, literally interview four real estate agents and be like, yeah, I like you the most. Yeah. I'm going to choose you. Yeah, that's right. You know? Yeah, it's um, and yeah, and I mean, it's it's a it's a really, I suppose, it, there's a few interesting points to unpack with what you just said. Um, the, the first one of which is like the a lot of the stuff I'm talking about with the customer experience, like it's easy to go, oh, you know, it's all warm and fuzzy, and it make make your customers feel good and surprise and delight and build raving fans and all of that. Um, but ultimately, like there is a really practical reason to have a great customer experience. And, and the reason for that is it, it's going to become the best marketing strategy and the most cost-effective marketing strategy that you could create. So, you know, if, if you're doing a great job uh, of looking after your customers or clients, word of mouth is going to grow your business significantly. It's not going to carry you through forever. But for most small businesses, you could probably get more than enough business than you'll ever need just from having a great experience, building that customer base, and then letting them do the talking for you. And so... Um, you know, I think for business owners out there who go, oh, it's just another thing for the list. Well, maybe what you got to think about in terms of Google reviews is less about, you know, the customer experience and more about this is an alternative to spending thousands of dollars on SEO or thousands of dollars on Google ads. Like I, I have a business that I work with that has 10x, like literally 10 times the amount of leads just from focusing on Google reviews. So this stuff absolutely does work. And, you know, if the customer experience sounds a bit wishy-washy, maybe think of it in terms of if you're looking to generate leads or you're looking to get more customers, um, things like things like Google reviews are actually a really easy and cost-effective way. I think what gets in the way, Michael, uh, when people are looking to do this is their own awkwardness. Um, they feel like they don't want to ask people favors. They don't want to inconvenience them. Uh, there's, you know, th- there's a few like limiting beliefs between the ears when it comes to putting yourself out there and asking someone to give you a review. 
Um, and, you know, some people might actually just be like, oh, what if they don't give a good review? But, you know, most of the time it's more just like they don't want to inconvenience people and they don't want to make it about them and they don't want to disturb their their precious customers and clients, which I get that. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, a couple of reframes that have been useful for my clients and businesses I've worked with in this regard is um, the first one is if you've done a really, really good job for someone, they actually really appreciate that they can pay you back in a way that's not money. Um, and, you know, think of it in your for your own perspective. Like if you feel a bit awkward for asking for reviews, just put the shoe on the other foot and just think of the best customer experience that you've had recently, like whatever business it is. And then go, okay, if they were to ask me for a review, how would I feel? And most of the time you'd be like, oh, I'm so happy that, you know, it'd be easy to write that review and it'd be a pleasure to write it. So most of the time, if you've done a great job, and I genuinely believe most business owners, particularly ones who are listening to a podcast like this, would be doing a great job. Uh, you'd be surprised how easy it is and how willing your customers would be to do it. That one, ha- that, that, that reframe has worked with a lot of people I've spoken to. Another one that's uh, also quite a useful reframe is that we all, you know, we all know that one business, maybe in our local area, maybe not, but that one business that's, you know, technically inverted commas competition, and we can't understand why they're as successful as they are. And we have a little bit of that feeling where you're like, oh gosh, I do this better, I do this better. They don't even do this. That, you know, there's so many reasons why they should choose me over them. And yet why are they getting all the business? Well, you know, the reason is that perhaps they're telling a better story online. Perhaps they're, you know, that that they they've got all the style in the world, even though they don't have the substance. So, something like Google reviews, if if that's the difference between someone that you want to work with, working with your business and getting a great experience, or working with that competitor and getting a mediocre experience, you're actually doing them a favor by giving them the information they need and painting the true picture of how high quality your business is, so they're making the right decision when it comes to who they want to engage uh, for your particular product or service. So uh, in some, some respects, it's not actually really about you. It's about helping people make the right decision for them. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. Yes, yes. And, and, and let's say a business owner has received feedback, for example, and let, let's say they're told... Yes, you know, don't like this. I like this. Don't, you know, didn't like this experience. Or let's say a business owner has some issues that they they, they know they need to fix. Mm. Where do they begin? Um, is it as simple as just putting themselves in the customer or the client's shoes? Um, is it, um, you know, I know having someone like yourself coming into the business does help. And we've talked about this, I think, in every single episode now, but, <laughs> you know, as part of the series. But just like a financial advisor, how we have the role to give clients advice that's, you know, objective uh, advice that, you know, isn't factoring in, you know, like that's, I guess, it, it, you know, external advice that doesn't take into any preconceived conceptions or perceptions or, um, you know, emotion. Having an external mm. consultant like yourself come into the business, I know that's one very powerful way to do it because when you're in a situation, it's easy, it's very hard sometimes to work out exactly what you need to fix or change. But if somebody, is trying to even just start the process themselves. What what do you think is the most simplest or the most effective way for them to think? Okay, I'm going to start making some changes now. Yeah. So look, I I I'm all <laughs> I'm all for bringing in professionals, right? And obviously, that's what I do is walk into businesses. Um, but you know, to be quite transparent, I'm not. And I I think 
most business coaches, as an example, have a, have a bunch of great ideas and some tools and some things that businesses can benefit from. But I also think that a lot of the time, the value of having someone like me in your business isn't that you're going to get a whole bunch of ideas that you've never thought of before. Um, it's, it's almost facilitating a conversation inside your business that brings those answers to the surface. And, you know, I don't believe for a second that, you know, if we were to go to the fish and chip shop example again, I don't believe for a second that I am better equipped to give them advice on their customer experience than that person who's on the front counter and knows the customers and is eyeballing them every day. So the point of what I'm saying here is that while there's value in helping see your blind spots and bringing someone else in, I think a lot of the time you can do that just by asking your customers and clients how they feel, understanding that perspective and weighing that into your decision-making. But the bit that most people forget is to actually bring your team in on that conversation as well. So if there's one big mistake I see a lot of businesses make out there is that the business owner kind of sits in a room, maybe with a couple of other managers or leaders, and they make all these decisions and they kind of go back to the team and go, here's what they're doing. But they're, they're not actually getting the team involved in that discussion, understanding their view of the world, seeing their blind spots through the perspective of their team and asking them what they think the biggest problems are. And they're not doing that for clients as well. So whatever business you're in, I don't think you should you know, firstly jump to solutions mode without doing a proper diagnosis. And the way I do that diagnosis is to speak to your customers or clients and to speak to your team and see where they think the business needs to improve the most. Um, but also I, I think as a business owner, uh, I would say when you start out in business that there's you know this blind optimism perhaps um, and a lot of the time business owners feel like they've got this kind of visionary quality where they can see what needs to change and they don't need to engage other people in that conversation a pattern i've seen time and time again is that you know that that uh, i think it's an einstein quote the only true knowledge is knowing you know nothing at all i would say the difference between a year 1 and a year 10 business owner uh, from from the point of view of how much they believe they that, that they have this kind of genius when it comes to the customer experiences that the ones in year 10 realize that the best place to start in these conversations is to not rely on what they think and to actually ask the people around them and then bring all that together into, into a cohesive plan. So you know, if you're starting out in business or you are a bit further along in your journey, I, th I think the real message is get out of your own head, actually start asking the people who are, are either delivering that customer experience or on the receiving end of it. Uh, and most of the time, if you pull together your own thoughts in combination with what, what the people around you are thinking, you're going to have a pretty pretty damn good plan of attack when it comes to improving it. That's such a good point because, you know, I think a lot of business owners don't talk to their teams enough. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a classic example. You're out of like, you know, the executives going away, sitting in a boardroom and coming back with a solution. Um, I'm trying, I think there's an example from the Simpsons that reminds me of it, but I can't, it doesn't come to mind right now, but it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's just like literally missing the mark and just not, not getting it. And you, you were right that the people that are there on the front line, the, the customers, the people that are sort of the customer service people that are talking mm. to the customers regularly, they're the ones that would really know what annoys the customers and clients that they're going to know what, they love the most. They're going to know. To me, even, I mean, just talking about experience, I'd love to talk about this topic. I know you're not a HR expert, but the the employees that work in a business, how do you manage those attitudes? Because there's like, for example, there's like, I'll, me, I've got an obsession with helping people. I don't know mm. why. It's just if I feel like I could help someone, I'll do it. Yep. So if I walk into a, a, a convenience store, for example, I'm not going to mention any names. 
Um, and I feel like the people at the counter look like they do not want to be there, which makes me feel like I don't want to be there. Um, I'll tell them, I'll ask them why they're feeling sad or I'll yeah. find the manager and explain to them, Hey, I, you know, like everyone's pretty depressed around here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you guys are meant to, where's the customer service? Um, where does a business start with that side of things? Cause I know this goes into a whole new topic of culture and yes, you know, how happy your employees are and all the rest of it. But mm. It's to me, it's such an important element of the whole customer experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the, in the purest form, I believe it is absolutely impossible to deliver an amazing customer experience unless you've got an amazing team. I think that, that there is just no way you can do it without the right team in place. And you know that this whole mentality of the customer is always right, and you know we're a client first or a customer first business. I actually think that negates the most important part of it, which is you've got to have the right team in place so you have the right people to put the customer at the center of your business. Um, so, you know, that the, the question of how to get the team part right uh, is a big one, but it is the absolute right question to be asking because uh, if you feel like you've got a mediocre customer experience, the chances are it's because you've got a mediocre team. So when it comes to culture, I mean, there's a few, a few little tips I'd have. The first is it starts with hiring. Um, and so, you know, making sure you're not just doing what a lot of business owners do, which is they just have a chat with someone and they speak for 90% of the time and then they just decide they like the person and their resume looks pretty good, so let's give them a job. Um, that, that's really opening yourself up for a lot of variability when it comes to hiring. So um, not just having a... Uh, a, a an interview as to whether you can do the job, but also ma making sure they're demonstrating things like a focus on the customer, um, examples from their past of when they have, when they have, you know, exceeded expectations. I had to solve a problem or I had to go the extra mile. Like things like that start to paint a picture as to whether this person is just there to tick a box or whether they are there to yeah, exceed customer or client's expectations. Um, so I think you know you've got to make sure you're getting the right people in the door, and a lot of that too. And this is. Uh, absolutely something I'd recommend is to, you know, get your team involved in your hiring process as well. Like get a rounded perspective. If you've got particular people in your team who are the right uh, type of people and they are going the extra mile and they are delivering a great customer experience, they're going to be able to sniff out someone who's going to be able to do that as well or, or not. So, you know, it's like that, that saying in the NBA, game recognizes game. Uh, if you've got great people in your team, they're going to be awesome at helping you work out whether someone who's going to join your business is the right person or not too. So don't feel like you have to bring all that onto your own shoulders. Um, I think that, yeah, a couple of other tips is, um, you know, we talk about measuring the customer experience. Well, that is super important from the point of view of knowing what is and isn't working in your business. So, you know, we talked about the NPS question before, but you can ask that at different points of your customer journey. So you can ask it, at, you know, just after the start of your process, you can ask it, right at the end of your process. And that's going to start to tell you where the pain is happening in your business. Um, but it also gives you this objective way of being able to go back to your team and go, hey, guys, yeah, this we're not getting very good answers at this bit. So, um, you know, let's, let's have a conversation about how we improve that. So measuring the customer experience is going to help your team be pointed in the right direction. And then when you are trying to have a conversation about how to improve that, you're going to pretty quickly find out whether your team are up for the challenge or not. So that's a really good way to acknowledge there's an issue and then you'll very quickly see whether the team around you are up for solving that problem or not. And if they're not up for solving it, potentially they're not the people who are going to take your customer experience into, into new and, and better territory in the future. 
but you know, probably probably the the hardest bit to I suppose give a, a step by step process for, but the most important bit is, you know, we talked before about there not being enough consciousness around the customer experience. It's just not something people wake up in the middle of the night and think about. Um, and so I think if you're looking to have a team of people in your business who are focused on it, you've just got to keep focusing on them on it. So how does that work in a practical sense? Well, if someone does an amazing job at turning around a complaint or dealing with an unhappy customer and making them happy, or if they go over and above, don't just let that slip through. Make sure the whole team know about it. Hold those people on a pedestal. Um, if you're doing one-on-one performance chats with your team, like make sure you're focusing on how they're interacting with customers and clients and giving them feedback. And you know, the more you're talking about it, the more that people will start to act in a certain way. Um, you know, so you're either going to find that the team around you are more than equipped to be great and exceed expectations. And it's just when you set a better expectation, they're going to meet it. Or by setting these expectations, you'll find that some people aren't on board. Some people might not want to meet the expectations. Some people might not care. And if that's the case, well, you've you know you, you've at least found out something about those people, and you can start to decide whether they they deserve a spot in your business or not. Yeah, and can we talk about the value of consistency? Yes. To, to me, I find you know just like going to a restaurant, and you know, like there's uh, I know there's a restaurant I'm thinking of example where one week their food's amazing, yeah. one week. It's not, and it's just like it, it suddenly there's this there's this level of ex, you know, there's this expectation that I have that's sometimes not met, and like you know I'll I'll, I'll give a shout out to this business. Um, before I became a financial advisor, I used to work for Telstra, mm. and every day or every second day, I'd eat at this noodle bar at Stones Corner. Okay, and this noodle bar Stones Corner is in Brisbane. For those that are in Queensland that are listening to this, and to me, it's probably the best noodles I've ever had. Husband and wife, they've been working there for years. Um, I don't know how they still work together, but they've been all, honestly beautiful people and the best food. And what I love is that it's consistent. Yes. Um, you know, like if I took you there, you might think, oh, I've had better noodles. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe it really is one of the best ones in Brisbane. But mm. what I like about it is that it's consistent. My expectation's always been the same. Um, and it's never been – it's it's always been met. And to me, that's so, so powerful from an experience perspective, you know, compared to there's um, a cafe actually that I go to where sometimes the barista is so nice. We talk, we have quick chats while he's making my coffee. And then the next week I'll, if he's away, there'll be a, someone else there, for example, and the experience won't be there. I'll say something. I'll want to have a quick chat and talking is the least of their worries. Mm. They don't really want to talk. They just want to do their job and I don't blame them, mm. you know? So it's, yeah. Can we talk about how important that is? Cause to me, I value it so, so much. Yes. And expectations as well. Managing expectations. Yes. Um, super, super important. Everything you just said makes so much sense. There's research to back it up. Um, I, you know, like conventional wisdom when it comes to customer experience is like blow people's minds and exceed expectations. And I mean, I've even used the phrase exceed expectations multiple times in this chat. Um, yet the research actually says that when you have met someone's expectations, uh, exceeding them doesn't actually create any extra loyalty. Um, and so once someone's expectations are met, the 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 most important bit is making their life simple and removing all complexity from your customer experience. So um, I don't want to get too much into the complexity bit now, although that is a, a really important topic for businesses to consider is how much friction they're creating in their customer experience or you know, more importantly, how much friction they can remove from their customer experience. But speaking to the point is that exceeding expectations 
can create these feel good moments, but it doesn't necessarily have a huge impact on uh, on on the bottom line of a business, um, despite what you know your gut feeling might tell you on that. And so, um, most of the time, um, you know, people when they think about customer experience. You know, they're like, oh, let's send our clients birthday cards and, you know, let's send them gifts and stuff like that. And yet they, they don't get the core part of their service or product consistent and, uh, you know, like a well-oiled machine, this repeatable, scalable customer or client experience. And they wonder, you know, I've done all these nice things for my client and they're not sticking around or, you know, our business isn't growing um, and, you know, we don't know why. And it's like, well, you, you're kind of focusing on the wrong thing. So getting the core promise right and keeping that consistent is 100% what clients need and what they expect. Uh, you, you name any incredible business in the world, um, it's because every time you go there, you know you, you know what you're going to get and there's not that much variability. So um, that, you know, for any business out there who's going, cool, I, I think our customer experience uh, leaves a lot to be desired. The first thing to do, and it sounds so obvious, but honestly, you'd be surprised how few businesses do it, is actually having a customer experience that is documented, that is standardized, that your entire team know about and that they are expected to deliver. So everything from what we say when they walk in, um, what we say uh, you know, when they're halfway through our process, what we say before they say goodbye. Uh, for service-based businesses, what does each email say? Um, if we're having conversations as part of our customer or client service, like how do you run those conversations? What What's the script for the ideal way to deliver that. Now, you don't want to create this workforce of robots who don't think for themselves and add their own flavor, but it's about creating these expectations. And if you don't have that standard experience, you actually can't measure it because, you know, you're measuring, you might measure five different customers and how they feel about your business, yet they've had five completely different customer experiences because you don't have a single one that people are working towards. So, what does that actually tell you? What that data says? It doesn't tell you much at all. So yeah, when it comes to improving this stuff, there's there's a three-step process I have. Step one is standardize it. Step two is measure it. And then once you've got this beautiful standard customer experience that's then measured and you know what is and isn't working, then you can focus on improving it. But you know that you're improving it in the right direction because you know exactly what bit isn't working. So yeah, couldn't agree with you more. Standardizing is step one for most of the businesses out there who are uh, would probably be surprised how little clarity their team have over what's expected when it comes to the customer experience. Yes, yes. And such a simple thing that's guaranteed it's overlooked so many times by so many businesses. Yeah. And it's um, yeah. it, it creates this great customer experience, right? Because you can optimize it and you can go, oh, you know, what if we remembered everyone's name at this bit and then next time they come back, they we know their name and they've blown away, you know? So like you can create a great customer experience off the back of it. But for business owners out there, one of the biggest benefits of standardizing your customer experience is that you can actually just go on holidays and know that your team know what to do and how to do it. And it actually creates a tremendous amount of freedom for a business owner as well, because you go, I'm not leaving it up to, you know, having to trust people to know what to do because it's so clear and it's so well documented what needs to happen that most of the time you can just rely on your team following a process or a a structure for how things need to be done. And so it actually creates an enormous amount of peace of mind for a business owner, uh, but it also becomes a really, really powerful way to scale your business because all of a sudden it becomes easier to delegate tasks because instead of going, oh God, I've got to explain how to do this to, for you, you go, oh no, I've already recorded this video or I've already documented that, so I'll just train you on that. It means you can automate more stuff because if you've got a standard email or SMS template that needs to go out at a certain point, 
that also then means you don't need to send it. You can get a CRM system or some piece of technology to deliver it. So, you know, I'm mentioning delegation and automation because it actually means that your business is going to actually be, be able to support growth as well. Like, yeah, for many businesses out there, if I was to say I could bring in 10, 10 times as many leads, they would go, our business couldn't cope with that. Whereas if you have this really nice standardized customer experience that has a team that can can all deliver it because they know it needs to be delivered and there's technology that's delivering aspects of that too, that, that conversation around 10xing the business becomes a little bit less scary because you know that you've got the foundations in place to do that. Yes, yes. And, and also um, as far as, you know, the consistency is concerned and having the the procedures that you were talking about. Um, last week's episode with Andrew Lorking, we talked about exit plans mm. and creating a business from scratch that has these processes in place to help improve the value of your business. Yes. So it's not just the experience, but it's also, you know, the, the value of the business and you're essentially creating a business yes. instead of just creating a job. Yes. Basically. I haven't heard that interview yet, but did uh, did Andrew mention the the E-Myth, that book? No, he didn't. Okay. That's uh, for anyone out there who's running a business and it actually, you know, whether you start, if, you, if you're thinking of starting a business or in kind of startup phase, it's a must read. I believe it's a book from the 70s. So it's probably one of those ones that doesn't get the cool points or it's not the, the you know, hottest, newest book on Amazon, but there is timeless biz- business wisdom in that book. And it's very much about what we're talking about here, just around the need to standardize things and to almost treat your business like you're franchising it, whether you're going to franchise it or not. So uh, for anyone out there who hasn't read the E-Myth, and, and it's not just for those starting out in business. So I, I read that book every couple of years and no matter how much my business grows, there's always something else for me to be doing to to create this well-oiled machine, this repeatable, scalable business. So yeah, fair. For anyone out there who who believes they need to standardize things better and wants to wants to you know be able to grow their business without it eating into their weekends and their personal life, um, the the E Myth is like a must read. I think it's yeah, that probably on the list of the five business books every business owner should read. I agree. I agree. It is it is such a good book. And 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 on that note, if somebody wanted to get in contact with yourself, Michael, to find out more about what you do as well, what would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah. Uh, so you can check out my website, which is humantohuman.com.au. Uh, the word two, T-O, is the two in the middle of human to human. So no numbers or anything like that. Um, and the other way is uh, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and I love building my network and connecting with people. Uh, so yeah, if you find me on LinkedIn, I think my username is Michael J back, but if you search Michael back human to human on LinkedIn, I'm sure you'll find me pretty easily. Yeah. Perfect. And I'll put the link to that website in the episode, in the description of this episode. Awesome. Thanks mate. Oh, well, that was a tongue twister. Though. So <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure I do that. Um, so that because just in case someone types it in wrong and, um, and lastly, just to finish off with our dad joke of the day, now you're going to love this because <laughs> I actually made this one up myself. <laughs> by the way, and it actually relates to what happened at the start of this episode. But uh, why was the audio producer counting all the Michaels? I don't know. Why was the audio producer counting all the Michaels? <laughs> he was doing a mic check. <laughs> <laughs> and no one would know this, but at the start of this episode, I muted Michael by accident instead of muting myself because on the screen, I could see two Michaels, but um, which hasn't actually happened before. But <laughs> yeah, that The other funny side of that for, for all the listeners is that uh, I then heard Michael sniffing and blowing his nose and he thought he was muted. So, yeah, there was yep. it was just the gift that kept on giving that mistake. Um, do you know, I actually thought I had to bring my own dad joke. So, I've, I've got one here ready to go. Oh, please, please. How do you find Will Smith in a snowstorm? 
how you look for the fresh prints. <laughs> you look for the- <laughs> That's pretty good. That's- <laughs> Yeah, I was pretty happy with that one. Oh, we'll see. Wait, there's um, <laughs> did you Google that one or you actually? I googled that one, but I do uh, have okay. a go-to. I got another one, which I I would say is like when you say dad jokes, the one that comes into my head. Yep. Did you hear about the two TV antennas that got married? No. Apparently, the ceremony was pretty average, but the reception was fantastic. <laughs> nice. See, I appreciate all these. To me, these jokes actually mean something to me. You know, they. My heartstrings are currently dancing, so it's <laughs> is uh, there's something to be said it's for so a joke or like a TV show or, or something that like you know that your grandparents would find just as funny as you find. So that I think that's why dad jokes are good. They they don't offend anyone. They're all inclusive. They are uh, yeah. There's something that it just speaks to the, the heart of human beings. So yeah, I'm with you on that one, mate. Yeah, nice. No, hey, thank you so much for your time, Michael. Honestly, it's um you know speaking of hearts, I can tell you speak from the heart, and I really appreciate every. Uh, minute of your time and i hope whoever does visit your website and looks into what you do and listens to this episode gets something out of it so that they can help improve you know their customer experience yep absolutely no and uh yeah if you if you've got a particular part of your customer experience that you're struggling with send me a message i'd love to help you out but uh yeah i think uh every single person out there you need to be really thinking about google reviews that should be your next step yeah perfect thank you michael awesome thanks mike nice to chat Thanks for joining us on Sharing More Than The Sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases and feel free to share this episode with any friends or family that you think it might benefit. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.